The Sassafras Three by S. Forrester Librarian. Chapter Three Hanging. The old man set out before sunrise, so early that Nash almost lost him again before he too woke up. The hunter scrambled to gather his things and belt his sword and gird his waist and lift his rucksack and shoulder bow. Then he set after the old man. You don't wait for the sun to wake you, said Nash Irving. I can admire that on certain days. I myself like a good long sleep after tracking down an impermanent quarry to the last, at last, but I can see you're sincerely fond of that hat of yours. So here I do come. It's another hunt, and I can rise early for that. The hunt, ever the hunt. The old man wasted no words just yet on those concise remarks. Eastward they went. Some wise folk have observed that east is a direction, not a destination, but it seemed like one to the two travelers. Somewhere in the land of east was the wind devil carrying the old man's hat. Somewhere in the land of east was a swamp and a dragon, which Nash Irving determined he would slay. A terrible creature, said the hunter. Terrible, awful, terribly bad sort of creature. Huge as well. Biggest dragon in all recorded history, they say. But I will see his end. I have hunted many a knave beast in my day. The old man thought it more probable that Nash Irving had said many a word in his day, many more than the creatures he'd hunted. Still, Nash had shot down that wolf after all, and the old man was there to see it, so maybe Nash did have some knowledge of what he was about. On the other hand, it could have been a lucky shot, a one-off. The old man kept these thoughts in his head, rather than spinning words on them. Even then, he didn't think much of the hunter one way or another. Nash Irving walked a step or two ahead of the old man. His stride was chipper. His feet were busy. I've seen this country long and deep. The sights I've sighted, the adventures I've made. I crept three days after the lightning pig. I smoked the bush bar from its tree. The list did not seem to end. After twenty more mentions of some place he'd been or creature he'd hunted, they were out of the small hills going east. The sun was racing quickly away from that side of the horizon, rolling for its favorite place, the west, where it hid and played, though by the next morning it would wake in the east again. Nash Irving seemed to have a pretty good idea of where he was going, though he talked the whole time, sometimes with his eyes closed, remembering his quests. All the while the old man looked around, hoping to sight the wind, or, mayhaps, mayhaps, he'd see his hat lying on the ground, discarded and abandoned, and all would be right again. Nor did he see the wind anywhere, near or far. They left the hills behind, as I've said, and the terrain slowly changed. For a time it was red dirt and mesquite trees again, flat earth with little warts of grass spread about. Gradually the grass grew more frequent, until you could pretty accurately call it a prairie, as long as you didn't know much about prairies. Eventually, the further they walked, you might be right. By the middle of the day, they were moving through a land that was like a great long field, one that looked like it would never end. The grass was long but not tall, some stalks green, some stalks gray, a few yellow, and once in a while they passed some dead tree with only a few empty arms, burned white by the sun. 
The way we're headed, we may see the Bison King's castle, said Nash. Or maybe that other king. There's a handful of them about. It is a harsh land, if you don't know that. When you do know of its harshness, it's not so bad. The old man kept walking through the grass, Nash one step ahead of him. I expect we'll part ways before long, if you see that wind soon. The swamp I'm attending is all the way in Gaum, as east as you can get, before the ocean. The winds don't bother the swamp so much, as far as I know. They loop back and stay in Molinora, from the dunes to the flats. I'm keeping an eye for the wind that stole your hat, I assure you, but I have not seen him yet today. Nor had the old man. Gradually they saw signs of civilization in sparing formation, farmhouses, homesteads, or shacky quarters for people who just liked to fish. It was a cold sort of day, as cold as that region could get in the summertime, but a kind of gloom was in the air. The sun became forgotten as crowds of clouds rolled in, till the whole sky seemed one pale color. A wind, not the wind that stole the hat, of course, kept skipping by, cold, sleek, mocking. The grass and trees became crooked. The trail looked empty, like no ground would be gained. The old man walked slower. Weather has a way of discouraging you, almost like it doesn't want you to go further, just wants you to stop and think a while. But Nash Irving didn't slow or stop, and ground was gained despite the mood of the day. They saw more shanties and shacks, and some real, proper, prominent farmhouses. They saw fields and gardens, but they were mellow in the gray light, and no crop could be distinguished. All looked like one moldy plant. Tenebrous weather, said Nash Irving. We'd call this a wizard's day where I grew up, a day for tricks and tragedy, when strange men might stand at the edge of town and start boiling a pot, for what purposes we never knew. I don't trust such a change. It is best to get through it. Find the sun on the other side. The old man grunted, but he walked quicker and tried his best to keep up with the hunter. They saw a little thicket of dead trees which somewhat blocked their view. Something was going on past it. They could hear voices, voices talking. Possibly we have found a luncheon feast, said Nash, trotting ahead. The old man battered along with his walking stick, trying his best to keep up with the hunter. On the other side of the thicket they saw a sight. It was not a luncheon feast. It never is. Instead, they saw a meager crowd of peasants standing together observing a great ash tree. The tree was all by itself in terms of landscape. All else was more prairie and bits of scrub. The sky was especially gray around the event taking place at the ash tree. The hunter and the old man drew closer to it. A group of farmers, it seemed, and their wives and their hired hands were gathered together. The ash tree was taller than a house and gave no shade. It was nearly dead and was gray like the sky, all smooth and leafless. Someone had put a wooden platform by the tree. A couple of the farm folk stood on the platform. Most notably, and most likely the cause for the crowd, there was a jackrabbit with his paws tied behind his back and a noose hanging from the branch above his head. So that was the scene, and not an unfamiliar one at that. A hanging tree with an audience, with some men putting a rope around another's neck. Nash and the old man made their way to the edge of the platform, looking up at those who stood on it. 
The crowd noticed them, these two strangers appearing suddenly at the trunk of the dead tree. What's the cause for this occasion? Nash Irving stepped up as if he knew each and every one there. Frontier business, fellow, said one of them on the platform. Now go away, said another. Why, said Nash, looks like an event for more than you. They're just hanging me, sir, said the jackrabbit. That's all. So I suspected, said Nash. It wasn't only people in the crowd and on the platform. Some were men and women, surely, while a few others were pigs, sheep, chickens, and a possum. They all wore scratchy vests or untidy tunics and looked fairly proud of what was taking place. So what has the rabbit done? asked Nash. What do you mean? asked the other individual standing on the platform, a rooster. I would hope, with a deep hope, he'd done something to earn a hanging, said Nash. He's robbed us blind, what he's done, said a ewe, a lady sheep. Pillaged our gardens for weeks now. Trashed our crops, said the possum, tilting his straw hat to the side. Nash observed the jackrabbit. He was a mangled-looking individual, his fur all twisty, his eyes wilting, his ears crisscrossing every now and then. He didn't seem too concerned about being the guest of honor at a hanging, but he nodded his head, tolerating the charges. Not reason enough to kill a person, said the old man, leaning on his walking stick. No one asked your opinion, Gramps, said the rooster. No one asked you to be an ugly son of a fried egg, but that's the way of it, isn't it? said the old man. He was throwing away words left and right. Nash Irving laughed at this. It was the most he'd heard his partner say since he met him, and it struck him as a morsel humorous if he cared to admit it. The others there, the farmers and such, were aghast at the rudeness. The rooster gave a squawk, though he'd meant to crow. Furthermore, said the old man, I'm no one's grandpa. Now hold on a second, gentlemen said the other person on the platform, a man not too young himself, with a black beard. You mean to disrupt our justice? We're poor ranchers and serfs, doing our best to scrape by in the world. This hare has made ruin of our livelihood of late, and you mean to pat him on the back. Who are you? More criminals? More ruffians? You who wears a sword and shoulder bow, and you who carries a club? It's a walking stick, said the old man. I lost my hat. We lost our crops, said most of the crowd. Not all, said one honest ram among them, but most, yes. Doing your best to scrape by, I understand it, said Nash Irving, nodding his head sympathetically. He even removed his hat and bowed slightly with a pious pout. Is it doing your best to strangulate this young rabbit for some lapses of decency, some momentary misdeeds? Has he shed blood? Probably, said the rooster on the platform, regaining his voice at last. Oh, I am a thief, sir, said the jackrabbit. I'm a robber, too, even a burglar of sorts. I ate what I took and took what I wanted. For shame, for shame, agreed Nash Irving. But you're going to hang him for that? Yes, said the rooster. He stepped closer to the jackrabbit and slid the dangling noose over the convict's neck. Do you want to die, Jack? asked Nash. Yes, sir, I do, said the hare. Well, that's not up to you, or any of you, said Nash. 
He deserves court with a king. A king should make the judgment, not you, honorable folk. You don't want his blood on your hands. Boo! Boo! said the crowd. Blah! said the sheep in the crowd. You don't bleed when you hang, said the possum. Who repay us for our losses? asked the black-bearded man. God and the land, said Nash Irving. Who else? You're farmers. You're the hardy folk of the earth. You don't think famine and waste won't fall upon you if you commit a secret murder out here in the quiet fields, do you? I've known it to happen. Have you not seen the weather surrounding us? It is in mourning already. We are two travelers. We'll gladly take him off your hands into a king straight away for judgment. That does not sit merry with me, stranger, said the man with the black beard. Nothing about this is merry, said the old man. Look at me, said Nash. He drew his sword. Now I'm Nash Irving, famed hunter of Molinora. I carry this sword with purpose. I go about chasing the cruel creatures in the land. I quested after the Hummero Humquat on the mountain of Smit. I sniped a poisonous peliquan in the south reaches. I can escort a rabbit to a king, I promise you. And who are you? the rooster asked the old man. Someone who lost his hat, said the old man. But this fellow did save me from a wolf, if I recall correctly. Oh, said the ram in the crowd. I never did want to kill Jack Rabbit. I didn't want to come here today, neither. But I thought I should have, on account of I voted we hang him. It'll be a hard season, no doubt, but I've made it through worse. No, no, said the possum in the crowd. Stick to your resolve, rooster. Hang the thief. Why don't you come up here and hang him, said the rooster. You're already up there, but, said the possum. Well, maybe I ought to just heave him off the stand, said the rooster. That's why you're up there, said the possum. No, no, don't do it said one of the women in the crowd. Let the drifters take him. As long as he's gone, I am content. You're all going soft, said the rooster. Then shove him, said the possum. Here now, here now, said Nash Irving. He dropped his shoulder bow and hopped onto the platform. I'll simplify this for us all. No need to turn on one another as well. Be good neighbors. Just be good neighbors. The man with the black beard and the rooster did nothing to stop him. He did have his sword drawn, after all. And so Nash hewed the rope in two and pulled the noose off the jackrabbit's neck like a reclaimed metal. Come along, prisoner, said Nash, pushing the hare off the platform. We'll keep your hands tied for now. You better take him to that king, like you said, said the man with the black beard. I'm Nash Irving, and Nash Irving will see it through, said the hunter. The old man had already abandoned the scene. He was hobbling east with his walking stick. He lit his pipe, and smoke was joining the gray air above his bald head. Soon Nash and the hare were with him, walking alongside, and the prisoner's paws were tied up. They left the crowd standing where they'd been, by the dead great ash tree. None of the farmers or peasants sang a word to each other.